welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. We're going to uh, continue. We started a series called Heavenly Perspective. And with this series, as you, as you notice here, that's a maze. And if you would walk into a maze at ground level, you can get really confused and wonder how to get out of it, and it could take a long time. But when you can get up and look at it from a higher place, you can see that it only took us a couple minutes to see where to come in at we, and, and get out. Me and uh, the, the guy that designed that graphic, it just only took a couple minutes to figure that out because we're looking at it from a higher place. And so with this series, this is our text scripture, Isaiah 55 and verse 8, and this is what it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So God's, of course, way higher than we are with his thoughts. He's all-knowing. God, God knows everything. And so there's nobody on the earth that will ever know as much as God, okay? And then his ways are so much different than our ways also. But the wonderful thing about the Bible, and, and you know, my, a lot of you know my story, that I, even though I was in church every week, on the front row, as a matter of fact, I wasn't a Christian. And, uh, and God was very mysterious to my family and you know we had some strange beliefs because we didn't know god and we didn't know what the bible said so we always had a a thought like god is mysterious and nobody can figure him out but then i heard about jesus and i know it's crazy like i'm in church every week sitting on the front row but then somebody told me about jesus because I really never heard about Jesus, and I found out he was the Savior. And when I confessed him as my Lord, and he came into my heart, and I started to get to know him, and I started to get into the Bible, all of a sudden now, God wasn't so mysterious. Because the Bible lets us know the way that he thinks, and the Bible also lets us know his ways. So for us Christians, God should not be so mysterious because he's given us a really big, thick book of his word, and it tells, talks about his ways, and it talks about the way that he thinks. Uh, and so uh, with this series, we're just looking at some things. We call it heavenly perspective because we want to see the way that God thinks about things and we want to see his ways. So as I mentioned, it can be different every week during this series. So I don't know what's going to happen and be preached next week, but what we do know is what we're going to preach this week. So what came into my heart this week is this. It's how God fixes things. Okay, how God fixes things. And, uh, and, it, and I, I'd like you to look at some pics because the world has ways to fix things. Now, you know, with the world, you know, the world's way of fixing things can be temporary. So you see there's a handful of pills, and you got a love pill, you got a sanity pill, you got a joy pill, you got a relief pill, hope. There's even a dreamy pill there, isn't it? And <laughs> there's a beauty pill. Uh, and uh, I, Dennis Burke needs to take one. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, don't, don't tell him I said that. <laughs> that just kind of slipped out there. Huh? Um, there's a peace pill. You know, there's all those, this, you know, perfection pill up there. You know, and so the world, the way that they would fix things can be temporary. And it can also be, you know, uh, surface. 
and even sometimes synthetic. Okay, and then look at this one. The world also, you know, you see a broken heart with that Band-Aid. When there's a broken heart, uh, you know, God is the only one that can repair a broken heart permanently. But like what what happens with the world is like you you try to repair, but there's just like a Band-Aid. And then you want to fix a wall, like if you, and, and, and a lot of us guys know how to do that. We found out during our church fit out, there's a lot of ladies that know how to do it too. But you know, um, you, you want to fix something, so you plaster it, and you sand it, and then you put a primer coat on, and then you put the color on that you want, and you can repair it permanently instead of putting a Band-Aid on. Now, I don't know how to repair an egg permanently. I think the best thing to do is crack it and eat it, you know, cook it. But, but, you, but all of these other things, you know, there's temporary fixes, and then there's permanent fixes. God, when he fixes things, he does it permanently. So I don't think it's far-fetched to say as Christians that we can believe and expect that God can fix everything in our life, and he can fix it permanently. Okay? And, and I've had some, you know, like the thing about Christianity is you can have a singular loss, but you still don't lose the big victory. So I've had some defeats. They were singular. Some of them were because I didn't do what I should have done. But I never lose sight of the fact that I have, and we all have, the big victory. I mean, because the big victory is we're all going to be up in heaven. Every Christian will spend eternity in heaven, and they're going to miss hell. And that's the big victory. Now, I've had some singular defeats, like I say, and some of them were my fault, and I own up to the ones that were my fault because if I did what I should have done, I wouldn't have had defeat. But Because I know sometimes when you say that God can fix everything in our life, I know there's certain Christians that are sitting there thinking, well, that hasn't happened yet. And I understand that. But, you know, the thing is, don't quit. Because as Christians, we really should expect and believe that God can fix every area of our life. He can do it from a deep place, and he can do it permanently. God can fix a broken heart, okay? So, like, the definition of quick fix, here's a a quick fix. It's an expedient temporary solution, especially one that merely postpones having to cope with an overall problem. And that's what a quick fix is. And and really, you know, sometimes we go after the quick fix, but the thing is, it just, it postpones it or it can cover it. So, I even wrote down, here's some of the ways that we can try to fix things. Uh, We can, like, nations, they've gone to war over disputes. And nations, they've tried to fix things by going to war. There's been wars that have been fought to try to fix something. War's not a good way to fix things. Uh, Between people, there's arguments and there's fights. And arguments and fights, they don't really fix things, okay? There can be cover-ups. You know, you cover something up, but a cover-up doesn't fix anything. There can be lies. Lies are told. And, you know, lies do not fix anything they're just temporary, and normally, you guys know, my father always told me, if you tell one lie, you're going to eventually have to tell another lie to fix the first lie, and then my father would always say, you're going to forget the lies that you told, and sooner or later, you're going to mess up because you don't normally remember a lie. 
Maybe you should get a diary called the, the Diary of Lies and record your lies so you don't forget them, so you can make sure you cover up each lie. You know, but see, lies, they, they don't fix things, okay? We can change the subject, sweep things under the rug. We can ignore problems. Those are all just temporary things that we can do. Uh, and then even sometimes just drinking, you know, uh, just drowning uh, ourselves in alcohol. And, and I've told you the story that when, when I was 23 years old and my brother uh, drowned, it was sudden, not expected that he was going to drown. And he was 21 and, and he, uh, two years younger than me. And my brother, who was two years younger than him, we were four years apart. We just got vodka, straight vodka, and we were drinking straight vodka out of a bottle, which is te tastes terrible. But when you're hurting that bad, you don't even care what it tastes like. Could have put it with some coke. Coca-Cola, it would have been a lot better, huh? But, um, but we were just drinking it straight from the bottle, and we were just so hurt because our brother drowned. And, you know, that's what you call a broken heart. And the most amazing thing, and my, my whole family, my mother especially, my mother was from Italy, and the, Itali the real Italian Italians that are born in Italy, the way they deal with that kind of stuff, that my mother put dark black, she would only wear black clothes, and then she made shrines around the house with pictures of my brother with flowers and, you know, things like that. And they were shrines around the house. And everywhere you go, there's my brother's picture with flowers and shrines, that kind of a thing. The most amazing thing is when we accepted Jesus as our Lord, the first thing my mother did was get rid of all those shrines. And she just had one picture of my brother. And, and she started wearing colorful clothes. She started wearing clothes that had colors in them again. But you know why she did that? It's not really because she, because she wanted to get rid of that stuff. Something happened in her heart. When she accepted Jesus as her Lord, her broken heart was healed and her joy returned. God can heal a broken heart from the deepest place possible, okay? And so we should expect that he can fix everything about us, all right? So we want to look at some things today along those lines, all right? So look at, this came into my heart, this statement as I was preparing yesterday, and it's this, the solution to fixing problems permanently is to fix them at the root, Okay, so anything that's going to be fixed permanently, it can't be a cover-up, it can't be sweep it under the rug, it can't be getting, dr you know, dr drown drowning yourself in alcohol, but anything that's going to be a permanent fix will get fixed at the root, okay? And then this came into my heart right after that statement, that God has already made provision to fix everything about us at the root. So it's really already been taken care of. All right, but if we don't know about it and if we don't have truth, we then can't partake of what he's done. So like, look at this pic here. This is like, see this, it says 100% permanent. That's what I like about God. And then it says duration guaranteed. Because when God fixes something, it's 100% permanent and you know that it will last forever. The duration is guaranteed. All right, so what we want to talk about is we want to just talk about God's permanent fixers. You know, and, and this is not 
everything that God can do. But look at this scripture. This is what we're going to talk about the rest of this morning. John chapter 1 and verse 17. It says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Okay? So anybody that knows a little bit about the Bible, you would know that God's who God called Israel his nation and his people, and he gave his nation and his people the law. And the Bible says about the law that it was a schoolmaster that would lead people to Christ. And what does that mean? It means that the law was a bunch of do's and don'ts, do this and don't do that. And the law was designed to show mankind that they did not have the ability to do the right thing, to not do things that you shouldn't do, and to do things that you should. The law was a schoolmaster designed to teach mankind that they could not satisfy God's requirements. Okay? And so it says that the law, it was given through Moses. So the law could not fix problems. All right. The law was not able to fix mankind's problems. But what we see here is that Jesus came, okay, and it says that Jesus, it says, but grace and truth came through Jesus. So Jesus brought something that could fix mankind and fix mankind permanently, all right? And so what we want to say is what we want to say that grace and truth today are God's permanent fixers. And we want to say some things about grace and truth because grace and truth are the permanent fixers that Jesus brought here to fix mankind permanently, that it will last forever. Okay, so if the law would work, if the law, if it would have worked, here's the way that it would have worked, because the law was a bunch of instructions, all right, and it was instruction to man do this and don't do that. The law would have worked if it could have, but it didn't. It would have worked from the outside in. Okay? So it, it's what you can call it, you know, uh, I noticed I just put behavior modification in my Google and hit it. Then I went to images and I noticed there's all kind of, you know, cartoons and artwork and various things about behavior modification. And, and it's, it's something that's known in the secular world that you modify people's behavior. But if the law would have worked, it what it would have done is it would have modified people's behavior or conduct, but it would have worked from the outside in. And so if you do a study and find out and study the religions of the world, you'll find that there's only one religion that works from the inside out. And everything else is designed to work from the outside in. Now that makes sense, and here's why, because if God is truly the creator of the universe, if he really made everything, and you really believe God exists, and he's the creator, then it makes perfect sense that he sent his son to save us, and then after his son, Jesus, did what he did, God is the only one that can get on the inside of his creation. Because he's God, he's the creator, and he's the only one that can get on the inside of us. And none of the other 
founders, the, the, the founders of all the other religions, they're dead and they're, they, they rotted in the grave. Jesus is the only one that was raised from the dead, and he's the only one that has the key to death and, you know, in hell. He has that key, and he's, he's the only one that could do what he did. So, the law was designed to work from the outside in, but what God did in Christ works from the inside out, but you had to be able to get on the inside to do it. Does that make sense? So behavior modification, that they have that in the world, it's like rehabilitation. And, there, and I realize that there's some rehabilitation programs that they actually have been successful. So we, we don't want to attack that, you know, where people get rehabilitated if it, if it gets them off of drugs and it helps them praise God for that. But that's rehabilitation, and it's, a lot of times it's from the outside in. But see, now grace and truth on the other side of that coin, when Jesus came, he did something that would work from the inside out. And what he did is a permanent fix, all right? It's a permanent fix. And we're going to look at a scripture here soon that helps us to see that. But just uh, uh, saying a few more things about that, when somebody doesn't know Jesus, the Bible says that there's the first Adam, that's Adam and Eve, and we know when Adam came, he's the first Adam. He messed up, and they sinned, and because they sinned, sin came into the world, and death came because of that. And then the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. So somebody that's not a Christian would be considered uh, in Adam. In other words, you're in Adam, but you're not in Christ, all right? So people that are not Christians and people that are in Adam, uh, and that was me at one time. Until I was 23 years old, I was that person. And so I know that when I was in Adam, before Jesus was my Lord, one thing that I know is all I did is I kept falling short. And my father and mother told us what was right and wrong, and we did our best to do what, what was right and not do what was wrong. But all I know is when I was in Adam, before I knew Jesus, my eyes were always on myself. And because when you put your eyes on, even as Christians, if you put your eyes on yourself, you'll always be disappointed, okay? And I was always disappointed when I was growing up because my eyes were on myself and I could not do the right thing. And then a lot of times I did the wrong thing. I could not do the right thing and I did the wrong thing. And I think that anybody that was not safe for a while would understand that, okay? But the main thing is I was focused on myself, all right? Now, for somebody that becomes a Christian, and what that's called, you're in Christ, he's the second Adam, there's something that's totally different here, because when you become a Christian, the first thing you do is you see Jesus in all of his beauty, okay? In other words, you start taking your eyes off of yourself and you put your eyes on something else, someone else, and that's Jesus. Okay, so there's a shift in what you're looking at. Instead of looking at yourself, you're looking at Jesus, okay? And then there's truth. Like if, if it's grace and truth, there's truth, and the truth that we start to see after we become a Christian is, first of all, that Jesus did something concerning the penalty of sin. 
Jesus took care of the penalty of sin. He brought truth and understanding that the penalty of sin has been dealt with is very big. But then there's something else that Jesus made possible and that he made it possible for the Holy Spirit to come inside us. So he took care of the penalty of sin and we're gonna look at that in, in more detail right now. But he also got on the inside of us and he empowered us by his Holy Spirit so we're not dominated by sin. Okay, so let's look at this. And then we'll, we'll get into this, and I'll do my best. This is kind of like I'm treating you all like your Bible scholars today, and we're getting a little bit deeper. Okay, so Matthew chapter 12, let's first of all look at this. And, and verse 33, it, it says, A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. Now, now here's what we need to know. The law, the law could not fix the tree. The law could not change the tree. Okay, but what we do know now, Jesus came and Jesus brought grace and truth. And what we do know is Jesus can fix the tree. Okay, and so G I know he fixed me. Okay, and, and that's what, what it says there is if the tree is good, something follows, the fruit will be good. You know, another way to say it, and I, and I like the way that this was said, uh, the, a preacher told this story that he was traveling and going to different churches, and he ended up in this one church, and he gave an altar call, and a young lady came up, and she said to the preacher, she said, if I get saved, can I still go to the club and dance? You know, and of course, you know, this is in the Bible Belt uh, in the United States, and, uh, it, you know, the Bible Belt has, you know, some high standards for holy living back then, so the, the, everybody was telling the lady, no, you, 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 you get saved, and you cannot go to the club and dance. So she would put her head down and walk away because she loved going to the club, and she loved dancing, okay? So this one preacher's there, and she comes up and asks this traveling minister that same question, and this traveling minister had some wisdom from God, and this traveling minister told the lady, if you get saved, you can dance all you want to. That's good. You know, and so the lady said, really? Yeah. So she accepted, she confessed Jesus as her Lord. She, was, she left darkness and came into light. Months down the road, that traveling preacher came back to that church, and there was that young lady still in church. And that young lady walked up to say hi to that preacher, and he said, hey, uh, young lady, he said, are you still going to the club and dancing? And the young lady said, you know, strange thing. Once I accepted Jesus as my Lord, I didn't want to go to the club and dance. And so you understand that there's a penalty for sin, but then there is also the power that breaks the desire to sin. And what happens is God gets on the inside of us and he changes our want to. In other words, you, you don't want to do the same things that you used to do. Now, I realize some Christians, they get off the rails and they, they kind of what you call backslide and they go back to some of the things that they used to do. But, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But, but the thing is, even Christians that get off the rails and start doing things they used to do, on the inside... 
they're on the inside where God is, they know that it's first of all wrong, they don't want to do it, and they'd like to get out of it. And anybody that's ever gone off the rails, you know that's the truth. Because I think we've probably all gone off the rails at one time or the other. And, when, and nobody really, no one needs to tell you when you're off the rails, because you know it. Okay. So the law didn't fix the tree, but Jesus can fix it at the root, okay? So when things are fixed at the root, then there's different fruit. So this came into my heart, and that's this. Grace and truth are the cure for the penalty and domination of sin. And so that, now let me, let me explain that, because there's a penalty of sin, but then there's also domination of sin. Now, what does that mean? It's really simple. The penalty of sin is the fact that there's going to come a day when judgment happens and people are going to have to, they're going to, some people are going to get tossed into hell. And that's the penalty of sin. Separation from God is the penalty of sin. That's a penalty, and, and it's separation. It's not good. But then there's also what we would say domination of sin. And what's that? That's when God doesn't live on the inside of us. We're not Christians, and we don't have power, and we, we just can't do. We, our want to is always, you know, wrong. And it's, it's in varying degrees. I had five, bro- six brothers before the one died. And so my oldest, I'm the second oldest. My oldest brother, after I became a Christian, and I start talking to him about Jesus, and he said, Tony, he said, you know that I'm not as bad as you were, not even close. He goes, I don't do anything wrong, so you needed that because you're so bad. He goes, but I'm not, I don't need that because I'm not bad. And see, he, he was married, he was already married, and really he, he thought he only did one thing. And, and I was over his house after I got saved telling him about Jesus, and I said, you still got the Playboy magazines between your mattress? But that, that was the only thing maybe he did wrong. But see, he thought he was so much better, and he didn't need Jesus. And really, that's kind of the way it is, but every human being there's different degrees that we yield to right and wrong. So I was yielding to wrong at a much higher (laughs) degree than my oldest brother. He wasn't yielding very much. But I was a great yielder to sin. Okay? But here's the thing. My brother ended up accepting Jesus as Lord because he realized that his good behavior could not save him. And he eventually came to that conclusion, okay? So here's, here's a, a few things that we want to say. Two things torment mankind, the penalty of sin and the domination of sin. And that's, that's a torment to mankind. And, of course, it shouldn't be a torment to Christians, but it's a torment to the rest of mankind those that don't know how to get free from the penalty of sin, which is separation from God and eventually having to go to hell, or the domination of sin where you can't stop doing the wrong thing. Okay, so we want to say a few things about that today. So here's the first thing we want to say, and that's this. Grace and truth transforms through impartation and justification. So I'll say a few things. Grace and truth 
there's a transformation that happens with grace and truth. And the transformation that happens, it happens through impartation. And uh, I think I didn't change that. It should be justification. I just noticed that. Um, That was wrong in the earlier service. Um, I don't know if you can type that in there now, but that should be justification. I, even when I was working on this, it got clearer to me, and I, I, I modified it while I was working on it yesterday. So I didn't notice that, but grace and truth transforms us through impartation and justification. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Well, there's two things that torment mankind, right? The penalty of sin and the domination of sin. So grace and truth will deal with both of those things so that mankind, first of all, us, at least us Christians, we don't have to be tormented by either one of those things. So we need to find some scriptures to explain that. So there you, now it's right, justification. So grace and truth transforms us through impartation and justification instead of behavior modification. So look at these scriptures, Romans 8 and verse 1. It says, now, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ, which that is a big thing in its own. So if somebody's a Christian, first of all, Christians have no condemnation. (laughs) Then moving on, it says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Now those are some, you know, the book of Romans is really doctrinal and some books are more doctrinal and that's what you would call some meaty scriptures. But just, you know, trying to make it as simple as possible right now, I'm going to just remind you there's two things that tormented mankind. It's the penalty of sin and the domination of sin. So with that portion of scripture that we just read, what we saw there is that God removed what tormented mankind. God got rid of it. He fixed it at the root. He took care of the penalty of sin. You see that in those scriptures, but he also disabled the power of sin. So I want to go to just two verses now and show you that. It's justification and impartation. So the first one, look at, look at Romans 8, 2, and see what that says. It says, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So what do we see there? We see impartation. And what has been imparted? The life of God gets imparted into us. So domination from sin, the way that sin would dominate, when you become a Christian, the life of God is imparted to us, and because of the power of the life-giving spirit, we get freed from the power of sin, and we no longer have to be dominated by sin. And you can find the Christian that's out in the world that's gone back to the very same thing that they used to do, and I can guarantee you they're not happy. And I can guarantee you on the inside, the Spirit of God is telling them that they are not doing the right thing. But the Spirit of God will also say, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. 
And that's one thing about God. God will keep telling us who we are because there's so much more power in telling us who we are versus telling us who we are not. Now, here's a few thoughts there. Even as parents, um, you know, talking to younger people, the way that we talked to children and the way that we would talk to younger people, uh, continually telling somebody how they're missing it and what they're doing wrong is like the law, and it doesn't help them to change, okay? What helps people is, first of all, love, okay? You could say grace and love, and truth, okay? Now, truth is telling somebody, and even though they're not living right, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a new creature in Christ, and you keep telling people who they are. The Bible even says, awake unto righteousness and sin not. Because when you awaken unto who you are, and people know their new creation, that is where the power is for change. It isn't saying to someone, why are you doing that? Stop doing that. You shouldn't be doing this. They already know it, especially if they're a Christian. They know they're doing the wrong thing. They already know that. Okay, now somebody might have this thought, and I'll, I'll answer it if, I don't know, if it just came to me. I don't have it in my notes. But somebody might say, well, does that mean that God never tells us that we do something wrong? And my answer to that is, no, God will... When God shows us that we're doing something wrong, he does it without guilt and condemnation. And God has showed me things that I wasn't doing correctly, but I had no guilt and condemn condemnation the way that he told me. And, he didn't, and it also did not put me into fear. But fear, guilt, condemnation, and manipulation and all those kind of things, that's the way of the world. When God points something out to us, there's not manipulation, there's not fear, there's not condemnation, there's not guilt. God will turn on a light and show us some things that we might be doing wrong, but as soon as he does, he gives us a way to get out of it. And see, th that, that's a little thing. If you want to help people, be like God. That's how you can help somebody. Instead of pointing your finger at them and, and you know, and, and even us guys, we know that, you know, us guys, we, even with our wives, we, we don't need another mother, do we? And so we know that we, we you know, and, and I thank God for my wife. She doesn't try to be my mother, you know, but she prays for me. Because, you know, nobody's perfect, and she sees things that I can do better, but she just keeps it in prayer, and she doesn't try to uh, mother me. You know, and, and really, when I see the truth about something, that's when I'm able to do it. Does that make sense? Seeing the truth about myself. And that's the, the thing. Grace and truth are God's permanent fixers. So when you, what God will do is he'll first of all show you truth about Jesus. But then when you see that truth about Jesus, you see truth about yourself. And when you see truth about Jesus, truth about yourself, and then let's even say even a situation, God will show you truth about a situation. And really, that's really what we're dealing with in life. We need to know truth about Jesus. We need to know truth about ourself. And we need to know truth about our situation. Grace and truth can fix everything permanently. And that's the way that God does it. Is that, is that easy to understand? You guys are really being quiet. Okay. 
or you, you don't have to clap, but just want to <laughs> want to get this out clearly, okay? So what we let's go back here and uh, and notice this. Let's go back to Romans chapter eight and verse two because we're talking about justification and impartation. So that is what you call impartation. God getting you on the inside of us, okay? But now look, go back to Romans chapter eight and verse four, and we'll see justification. So what that says, it says he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So so that is what you call justification. Why is that justification? Uh, That's talking about the penalty of sin. So what you see there is God did something in his son Jesus where the law would be fully satisfied for us. In other words, uh, Jesus was punished for us, and he removed the penalty of sin okay so i tried to think how can i make this as clear as possible so here's what i came up with i i found these two picks here's the first one that's a prison and what you see there is three guys just got out of prison you got that prison guard opening that door and you got those three guys leaving prison the penalty of sin we have to all understand is our christianity will be so much more enjoyable it will be without fear it will be without guilt condemnation or anything like that if we understand that we walked out of prison when we accepted jesus as our lord the penalty of sin has been completely taken care of and once we walk out of prison God will not put us back in there. But sometimes, because we don't understand what happened to us, we put ourselves back into prison. Does that... So that's why grace and truth are God's permanent fixers to understand and know the truth that when you accept Jesus as your Lord, you walk out of prison and you, the penalty of sin is removed in your life. When you preach the gospel, sometimes it can shake. If you preach it and you preach an uncompromised gospel, it can really shake even Christians up. But the truth of the gospel is our works and our behavior, our intelligence, nothing that we have can save us. But the only way that we can get saved is through Jesus Christ. It's what he did and not what we do. That's the pure gospel. So if our works and our behavior and everything we would have to offer cannot save us, guess what? Then our works and our behavior cannot cause us to lose our salvation. And that can shake people up. But if you're not, if you're not saved by your works, then you cannot lose it by your works. Do you understand what I'm saying? The penalty of sin has been permanently taken care of. Mankind should not be in fear and having guilt and condemnation in that area. Okay, now, if you could be sitting there thinking, well, does that mean that then I can just do anything I want to do and live any way that I want to live? Well, I would say that, you know, you shouldn't have those kind of thoughts and attitudes that, that Jesus, that you just really just want Jesus for the penalty of sin, but you don't want to allow him to save you from sin. 
because there's two things there, the penalty of sin and the domination of sin. But God is so good that he saved us from the penalty of sin, and for some, that's all they want. But for those of us that want more, and, you know, really, and I think that would be all because all I know is ever since I got saved, God has been on the inside of me, and all I know is I want to please God. I want to please God. It's just there all the time. I, it's like he changed my want to. Like the lady, her want to got changed, and she didn't want to do the same stuff. But the only way that can happen is God gets on the inside of us. Okay, so what, what we see there is that's the penalty. But then the next one is now there's the penalty, but then now what is that? That is God on the inside of us. So we are freed from the penalty of sin, but then we're also empowered to overcome or not be dominated by sin. And you have those two things, and it's important that every Christian should understand those two things. Now, now, if you don't understand the first thing, we can say, well, we have God's life on the inside of us, and God's life empowers us to do the right thing. But then what if you do the wrong thing? Then you think, oh, my, I just heard the preacher say God's on the inside, and God's empowering us to do the right thing, but I just did the wrong thing. That's why we have to know both of those things. You have to always understand the first one is he saved us from the penalty of sin. Okay, so even when a Christian does the wrong thing, they still have been saved from the penalty of sin, and, and, and every Christian will eventually do something. You'll say something wrong. You'll say a word. You'll walk out of love. Some other Christians do, they do wrong conduct and actions. But it's important to know both of those things because you have to refer all, okay, I'm saved from the penalty of sin. That means I'm not going to, what does that do for me? It means I'm not going to give up. If I know God is for me, because I say if God is against me, I got big problems. If God is against any of us, who could ever help us? But if God is for us, who can be against us? And I have to know as a Christian, God is for me. Because as long as I keep knowing God is for me, I won't give up. And, and you see, when we minister to, you have family or friends, and when you minister to your family and friends, if, if they're a Christian and they're struggling, they have to know God is for them. Because they won't give up as long as they keep knowing God is for them. He took care of the penalty of sin, so important. We have to always remember that. But then... He also got on the inside of us and empowers us so we're not dominated by sin. So here's a few scriptures, and we'll close up today. I love this scripture, Romans chapter 6 and verse 22. It says, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. I like it. It's so positive. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.